Welcome to the radio broadcast of Pineview Baptist Church, a growing community of faith in the Belfast community of Goldsboro. We are located at 3357 U.S. Highway 117 North in Goldsboro. We invite you to find out more about our congregation by visiting us at facebook.com forward slash Pineview Baptist Goldsboro. Join us now for our weekly message. Lord, convict where conviction is needed. Accomplish your purposes in us through the Holy Scriptures today, which we know bring life and point us to Jesus and to His gospel. Work in us, Lord, as we listen to you. It's in the name of Christ we pray. Amen and amen. Turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 2. Last week we began reading in verse 4 and my intention was to get down through verse 8 and that didn't happen. So today we're going to pick up right where we started last week in verse 4. We're going to get all the way through verse 10 today and I'll quickly remind you in a moment about what we spoke about last week. 1 Peter chapter 2 verse 4 where the Lord says, As you come to Him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God chosen and precious. You yourselves like living stones are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in Scripture, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone, chosen and precious. And whoever believes in Him will not be put to shame. So the honor is for you who believe, but for those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone, and a stone of stumbling, and a rock of offense. They stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to do, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for His own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of Him who called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. May God add a blessing to the reading of Scripture today. Last week as we began looking at this section of Scripture, I shared with you three points and we only got through two of them, but I want to quickly recap and go over what we studied last week because it joins right together and fits like a puzzle piece with what we're talking about today. And we discovered in this text that the cornerstone of God's building in this building project as we described it, the cornerstone of God's building in Jesus is our cornerstone. We also discovered that He is a chosen and a precious cornerstone in verse number 4. Continuing on, we talked about the temple that God is constructing. What does it look like? What is it made up of? Remember, it is not a one-brick temple. It is not a temple that consists solely of Christ Jesus. He is the cornerstone. He is the most important piece of the puzzle, but we are living stones as well in His hands. We are bricks in God's hand. 
And so we saw that in verse number 5, that we are living stones, but we also discovered that we are a holy priesthood. We are His building materials. Yes, we are bricks in God's hand, but we are also the ministers in His temple. It is not just I and Pastor Tim who are ministers here in this local church, but every believer, every Christian, every member of this church is given a ministry And we collectively are a holy priesthood. We know that doctrine to be the priesthood of all believers. Our duty is to offer spiritual sacrifices. And while we did not study this point, I went ahead and shared my third point, and that was the implications of this building project. And now as we begin to dig back into this text, we see references to the Old Testament Scriptures that are being quoted here by Peter and the things written before and how they relate to Jesus in the New Testament. And so let's look at the implications of this building project. In verses 6-8, through eight, I, see, I see five things that we understand from a reading of these verses, and so I want to quickly share them with you this morning as we look at the implications of this building project. The first thing that I'll point your attention to is that it is God who lays the foundation. Notice verse 6, the first part says, For it stands in Scripture, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone chosen and precious. And that is a quotation from the prophetic book of Isaiah, chapter 28 and verse 16. In his commentary, Dr. Tom Constable writes this. He says, Zion refers to heavenly Jerusalem that larger eschatological entity of which the church will only be part. The cornerstone refers to the main stone on which the building rests. It does not refer to a modern cornerstone, a stone located in the corner of a building, or to the last stone that the mason puts on top of the building, the keystone. In view of this, it seems that the rock the Petra, the large stone to which Jesus refers to in Matthew 16, was not Peter, a small stone, but Himself. Jesus, not Peter, much less Judaism, is the foundation upon which God has promised to build His church. Amen. We often read that verse in Matthew 16 and 18, and it is often misunderstood when Jesus speaking to Peter, said, Upon this rock I will build my church. And so there have been entire theologies that have sprung up around that one verse. But I do not believe that was the intentions that Jesus had in mind because 1 Corinthians 3 and verse 11 tells us that no one can lay a foundation other than that which is already laid. And the foundation is Jesus Christ. And I believe today that Rome would do well to understand this context that Peter was not the foundation of the church, brothers and sisters. That Peter was not a pope in the Roman Catholic Church. Matthew Henry writes that the Christian church is of much nobler fabric than the Jewish temple. It is a living temple. Christ, the foundation, is a living stone. Christians are lively stones and they are a holy priesthood. And I would add to that statement that It has God as its builder. It is He who has laid the foundation and who promised that He would build His church. 
We need to remind people that there is no other foundation. And a church that is founded on anything but Christ is no church at all. God has established the foundation. We also see that whoever trusts in this stone will never have cause to regret it. Verse 6, the last part says, Whoever believes in Him will not be put to shame. Isaiah had promised that those who believe on this stone would would never, and when he said that, he used the, the strongest negative that he possibly could in their language, that they would never be disappointed. They would never be put to shame. Jesus, the true, the elect, the precious cornerstone from God will never lead to disappointment. will never give you cause to be ashamed. The Apostle Paul, sitting in a prison cell, awaiting his death, said, I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed. And I'm convinced that he is able to guard to that day what has been entrusted to me, 2 Timothy 1. Peter echoes that sentiment from first or 2 Timothy when he says here, a cornerstone chosen and precious, and whoever, whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. We also see that this stone was rejected by the builders, and I believe he's still being rejected today. Verse 7 says, So the honor is for you who believe, but for those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. I appreciate the language of the New King James Version here. It says this, Therefore to you who believe, He is precious. But to those who are disobedient, the stones which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. The builders that are mentioned here in our Scripture were the scribes and the Pharisees and the religious leaders of the Jewish people. And when their God-appointed cornerstone came in the person of Jesus Christ, they did not want Him. and He was rejected by the builders. And that's why it says in our verse, Therefore to you who believe, He is precious. But to many, He is not. Jesus had quoted the same passage of Scripture to the Pharisees who opposed Him in His day, and He applied it to Himself. If you have your Bibles open, turn back to the Gospels to Matthew. And Matthew chapter 21. And if you're unfamiliar with The Gospels, that's no worry. Matthew is the very first book of the New Testament. Matthew chapter 21. And here's what it says to us in verse 42. Jesus said to them, Have you never read in the Scriptures the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone? This was the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in our eyes. Therefore I tell you, The kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a people producing its fruits. And the one who falls on this stone will be broken to pieces, and when it falls on anyone, it will crush him. Due to the resurrection, the world can now see that this Jesus rejected and crucified by men, rejected by the builders, is indeed the cornerstone of God. Ephesians chapter 2, 
In verses 19 down through 22, Paul wrote these words, So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus Himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple to the Lord. In Him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. The stone that we see in our Scripture reading today has been exalted in God's purposes. He has been lifted up in the great plan of God. How wonderfully He has been exalted. It tells us in Philippians chapter 2, verses 9-11, through 11, Therefore God has highly exalted Him and bestowed on Him a name that is above every other name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue will confess... Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. He is a precious and a chosen cornerstone who has been lifted up and exalted in God's plan for His purposes. But Peter also describes for us that this cornerstone is judging the hearts of all men. Verse 8, a stumbling, a stone of stumbling, a rock of offense. They stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to do. To the unbeliever, Christ is a stone that they trip over and that they fall, that they are offended by. We see that with the builders that are referenced, the Pharisees, the religious leaders of the Jewish people who rejected Christ and they stumbled spiritually. It's true of Israel corporately. And it's true of every unbeliever today. Israel's rejected stone has become the foundation of the church, though, brothers and sisters. And this stone, only in this stone, is there salvation for those who would believe, but there is also destruction for others. In his commentary, Robert Jameson says the same magnet has two poles, one repulsive, the other attractive. So the gospel has opposite effects on believers and unbelievers respectively. You want to know why so many in this world are are blind to the truth? Do you want to know why they, they revel in their darkness and their sin? Do you want to know why there's rainbow flags across churches even in our own community? Do you want to know why there's destruction and death and sin? Do you want to know why there's drug addiction and alcoholism? Why premarital sex is rampant and glorified in our culture? Do you want to know why? Because Jesus is an offense to those who love the darkness. And not only are they offended by Him and by His Word. But they thumb their noses at God. They reject His Word. They hate Him. You say, it doesn't seem to me like they hate God. Trust me, when you're dead in your trespasses and sins, you despise God. But that cornerstone that we see here in our text that is repulsive to some is beautiful 
and attractive to those of us who believe. And that stone is judging the hearts of men. Stephen Payne wrote that mercy rejected becomes condemnation. And at the end of the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 7, Jesus says some very powerful words. He says in verse 24, Therefore whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock, and the rain descended and floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand, and the rain descended, the floods came, the winds blew and beat on that house, and it fell, and great was its fall. Christ the Lord has already defined the terms by which men and women will be judged. And we do not have the right or the ability to redefine those terms. And so I ask you today, will you be judged as one who is foolish or one who is wise? But I promise you, everyone here under the sound of my voice one day will stand in judgment before this cornerstone. And you are hearing the word of the Lord today and you are being given an opportunity to respond to that word, to believe and to repent. And so you are without excuse. And So my prayer today, may it not be that any of us here are appointed for stumbling as it says in verse 8, that we would be wise and that our lives would be built on the same foundation as the church of Christ, the cornerstone Jesus Christ. May everything written in the Word of God be believed by those of us who hear today. May our lives be built on Him, His sinless life, His sacrificial death, His burial, His resurrection to life. That is the implications of this building project. We understand that God lays the foundation, that those of us who trust in this stone will never regret it, even though it was rejected by many, because this stone has been exalted in God's purposes and is judging the hearts of men. We see the implications, but finally I want you to understand with me the ultimate outcome of this building project. Verses 9 and 10, it says, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for His own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of Him who called you out of darkness and into His marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. What is the ultimate outcome of this building project? Two things I'll share with you quickly. This is a final summary affirmation of our identity in Christ. We've been talking for the last five or six weeks about our identity as the people of God. Who are we? What do we look like? What is our character? What is our nature? Well, here we have a final affirmation. It's the culmination of all we've studied up to this point in 1 Peter. We see two things. The nature of the church. We see the nature of the church. It says, but you are a chosen 
race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, and a people for His own possession. Notice the terms used in that verse of Scripture and how beautiful and wonderful they are. A chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. Terms that in ages before were applied to the nation of Israel, but now these terms define you and I, the bride of Christ, the church of God. And while we are not a physical race of people, but a spiritual race. We are created by God for the advancement of His kingdom. We exist for His glory. There's so much talk in our world today about race and race relations. And even within our own movement, there has been some level of disagreement about some of the more modern critical analysis and tools that are used, critical race theory. And you hear people talking about being woke all the time. And what do they mean by that? We're not going to take the time to, to get into all that, but we don't need it. We don't need those tools. We don't need those understandings because we as the people of God are told here that we are a chosen race and it does not matter what your skin color is. It does not matter where you are from. It does not matter what nationality you claim. It does not matter where you come from because to those of us who are in Christ, we are a chosen race, a holy nation, a royal priesthood. We are the people of God, the family of God, brothers and sisters in Christ. And I cannot help but shout when I think of that beautiful truth. Amen and amen. We are a spiritual race created by God for His glory. Are we living up to that calling? Nathan Wheeler in an article entitled The Holy Priesthood says this, whatever its precise background, the vision of 1 Peter is that the Gentiles to whom it is written have become by virtue of their redemption in Christ a new priesthood in the world. Analogous to the ancient priesthood that was the people of Israel. Consequently, they share with the Jews a precarious status of aliens and strangers in the Roman world. And you and I, brothers and sisters, are a part of this same tradition. This lineage is our lineage. And when Peter says in the opening verses of chapter 1 that you are the elect exiles of God, that you are His chosen people, that you are strangers in a strange land, that wording also applies to to you and I. We see the nature of the church. We see who we are in these verses of Scripture. And not only do we have the privilege to serve God, but we have the right of access to Him. Why? Because we are His possession, it says in the text. We are His people. We see the nature of the church, but we see the duty of the individual Christian as we close. It says that you may proclaim the excellencies of Him who called you out of darkness and into His marvelous light. I loved this phrase from Dr. Tom Constable. He says, the church is what it is so that it can do what God has called it to do. 
The church is what it is so that it can do what God has called it to do. What have we been called to do? What is our mission? What is our purpose? Churches talk so much today about a mission statement or a a mission strategy, a purpose statement, a vision statement. What is our purpose? It tells us here to proclaim His excellencies, to penetrate the darkness of this world with the gospel message. We are called to reach those who are in spiritual darkness, even those who love it, even those who thumb their noses at God. Notice verse 10. It says, Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. I ask you today for just a moment to think back. Maybe, like myself, you you don't have some earth-shattering inspirational testimony. I can't stand here today and tell you that I was saved from a life of drugs or a life of crime. I can't stand here today and tell you that I, that I came from a bad family background because I didn't. I came from a wonderful Christian family who, who I did have a drug problem. You know that, that joke that goes around, I was drugged to church every time the doors were open. And at an early age, I heard the gospel and I believed. But that's not the case for everyone. Some of us have a dark past, a dark history. But I I want you to understand it doesn't matter where you came from. It doesn't matter what you did in your past. It doesn't matter how bad your background was. We were all dead in our trespasses and sins. None of us here today inherited of Christianity. There was a time when you were dead in your sin where God called you out of darkness and into the light by the power of His Spirit. Do you remember that? Can you think back to a time when you were hopeless, when you loved this world and the things of this world, when you had no hope of a future, when there was nothing ahead for you, when there was no life spiritually in you. That's what Peter is drawing our attention to here. He says, you were once not a people, but now you are a people. You were once a people who had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Do you see why it's so important that we proclaim His Excellencies Church? Do you see why our mission is so grand, it's so big? And that He has placed us here on this little corner in Belfast, North Carolina to make His name known. And if we're not doing that, brothers and sisters, we're wrong. If we're not doing that, we're in sin. If we're not doing that consistently and systematically, then we are not a local church because we're not living up to what He's called us to do. The nature of the church is that we are the people of God. We are His possession. But it is the duty of every individual Christian to help fulfill that mission. And if you're not doing that, and if you're not on board, may God forgive us. We spend so much of our lives, of our precious time on this earth. And remember the Scripture says life is a vapor. 
If you don't believe it, talk to the family of my friend who passed away last week at 42 years old. If you don't believe that life is brief, talk to that parent who has lost a small child. Talk to that widow whose husband was gone way too soon. Talk to untold hundreds, maybe thousands of people in our own community whose lives have been changed forever because a family member got COVID and died. Life is a vapor, and yet we still spend so much of our precious time on this earth living self-centered lives. It's an epidemic in the church today. There's an unwillingness to sacrifice. So many think, well, if I just go to church once in a grand while, I've done my duty. If I send in a check once in a while, I've done what God has called me to do. No, we are a people. We are a holy nation Peter calls us. We are His possession. Don't you know that your bodies are not your own, but you've been bought with a price? Therefore glorify God in your body because it is His. We don't belong to ourselves. We are His possession. Yet we still have this preoccupation with material things, with worldly goals. And listen, not all of our worldly goals are bad. Maybe it's a new job or a a, a diploma, a degree. Maybe it's to put some money in savings. Maybe it's to start a nonprofit or to do something good in our community. Those things are not bad. But when we place the things of this world and the desires of our human hearts above the kingdom and above the things of God, we're not fulfilling our purpose. We're not walking in the duty that we've been called to. What these last few sermons and biblical passages have taught us is that yes, it is important to live lives of holiness. That we are a holy people, but we have to understand the reason why it's important. But you are a chosen race. A royal priesthood. Pineview Baptist Church, you are a holy nation. You are a people for His possession that you may proclaim the excellencies of Him who has called you out of darkness and into His marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are a people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Who are we? What has all this had to do with us? How do we break it down to its basic level and apply it? I know we're to be a holy people and we've, we've talked about all these principles. We're a people of love and a people of suffering and we've gone through all these characteristics, but why? Who are we? We are His. So stumble in the darkness no more. Repent Today, if you never have, believe in the name of Christ if you never have and live as a people who have been redeemed. This is God's Word. It is for us as people. Thanks be to God for it. Heavenly Father, thank You for Scripture today. May it be in us. May it change who we are and what we do. Lord, I'm thankful for the local church. I'm thankful for this body of believers. 
but I'm thankful more for our cornerstone. The church is built on the foundation of Jesus Christ and none other. A foundation laid by God. And whoever trusts in this stone will never be put to shame. They will never have cause to regret it. Yes, this stone is being rejected even today, but he is exalted in God's purposes. And he will judge the hearts of every man. Lord, I pray today that as we have been pointed to our nature, our identity in Christ as a people, that we would walk in these things, that we would fulfill them corporately, but also individually. Lord, I pray if there's apathy among your people, that you would remove it, that your word would convict. I pray that we would be set afire on flame, that we would live on mission. Realizing that our highest calling is, is not as a husband or a wife, a parent, a, a co-worker. It's not as a community leader. It's not in any organization or thing that we do. Our identity is in Christ and in Christ alone. And our highest calling is to proclaim the excellencies of Him who has called us out of darkness and into marvelous, marvelous light. We're a royal priesthood. We're a holy nation. A people for your possession, Lord. We praise your name. It is in the name of Christ Jesus we lift up these things God's people said. Amen and amen. If you would like more information about Pineview Baptist Church, we invite you to follow us on social media. Find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Pineview Baptist Goldsboro. There you will find information about our service times, upcoming events, directions to our church, and videos of our Sunday services.